Tinue, a King Killer fan podcast where we talk about all things related to the works by Patrick Rothfuss. It is a fan podcast, so if you haven't read the books, if you're not a fan, be wary, there are spoilers here. Today I'm joined by Nate Taylor. Hello. American filmmaker of Forgetting the Girl, <laughs> Love, They're Just Words, and I haven't seen this, but I want to, The Dwarvenaut. No, that's not me. That's the guy who dated Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> what about uh, if you if you go onto YouTube? There's a Nate Taylor who's an eighth grade basketball player. He's got a lot of videos. You know, he's pretty cool. My favorite Nate Taylor is the one who got caught embezzling from the Nevada Young Republicans Party. <laughs> Are you sure it's not just you? I, I think I might also be an Ohio sportscaster or, or something like that, sports commentator. So I, I either white or black, depending on where you find me. <laughs> There's also a Nate Taylor who is also an artist and illustrator from, like, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And There's his website's one. working. Yeah. Yeah, whereas mine was recently hacked and I had to reformat it. Oh, is that what happened? Okay, I'm yep. sorry to hear that. That's okay. Somebody in China decided that it would be good to get, you know, my my traffic, which I did not realize was good enough to be stolen. But hey, lucky um, you. Yeah. You've got a, you've got traffic. Yeah, more I, I probably less than the Nate Taylor who is a basket weaver in Nantucket. <laughs> um, there's also a Nate Taylor who lives uh, near where I am in the Seattle area. Oh no. Motion graphics artist. Oh. And we actually met at last year's Emerald City Comic Con. It was awesome. We swapped signatures. It was a truly beautiful. <laughs> and we actually look fairly similar in that we are both white and have brown hair and facial hair. You're practically the same man. Right? Usually <laughs> taken at a distance. You are the Nate Taylor from Johnny, Where's My Hat? And Uh Oh, Lobotomy. <laughs> That's right. Oh, there was there was also going to be a few other films from that. It was um, Cuckoo Achoo, Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> and Cuckoo Apocalypse. No, a, something like that. It was I had come up with like several different names, and I did a few takes, and that was the ones they used because <laughs> I I'd never done like an on-screen introduction of myself before, and actually I I kind of stole that from uh, the Simpsons character. That guy who's always been voiced by Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can picture him very clearly. <laughs> and more seriously, you did Coming Distractions? Yes, webcomic with my other friend, Pat, last name Johnson. And uh, Nick Rimfire. Uh, yes, that's an upcoming project with the same same writer. Okay. And... Our listeners might know you from... Oh, oh I fill in the blank? Yeah, um, that's all you. Just just a few things with Rothfuss. Slow Regard of Silent Things, The Maps, The Princess and Mr. Whiffle. I did a, a comic book with him, my first comic book, which actually turned out to be a double-length comic book. 
for the uh, uh, Torment Tides of Numenera. Oh. Uh, so long as you can see the moon. All about this little NPC character that he wrote called, whose name was Rue. No. Is that right? I've already forgotten her name. But... <laughs> it obviously had a deep, meaningful impact on you. It was it was great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and tons of other projects. But the, the real trick to, to spotting my artwork is that it's also sometimes on his blog. But then you have to be really careful because he also gets his uh, other friend, uh, Brett Horns, to, to do illustrations for him, too. So you have to have a discerning eye. Well, sometimes he'll tag you. He'll say, like, he'll tag it Nate Taylor's art. So that helps. That's true. That is always helpful. Or, or if I sign it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just make sure you ha it doesn't say uh, the other artist, Nate Taylor's signature, because that's... Oh, man. They're tricky that way. Yeah. Especially, you know, when they're illustrators also and trying to get <laughs> books also. Then it's like, you know, I've got to I've got to change my name. He's got to change his name. Something's got to happen. <laughs> there can only be one. Oh, that would be terrible. Well, I did briefly consider changing my official, like, byline to N.B. Taylor. Oh. And it would be like, like N.C. Wyeth, you know. All right. You know, it felt too, I don't know, presumptuous. So I just let it go so much research and there's just too many diverging paths too many nate taylors <laughs> but we've got the best one here today and we're going to talk about the adem yes from the wise man's fear i've i've always been fascinated by them ever since i i heard about them my first experience with them was when i we'd recently become friends pat and i and back in in college and he invited all of us to to do a role playing game session with him set in his world and i played one of the adem ooh first first real outing but naturally who they were back then is not necessarily who they are now they still wore red they were still martial artists and everything but the finer points weren't there yet no hand signs no hand signs he was like you've got to play him very emotionless and i'm like okay deadpan got it so i'm like Ma Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> what was your ADEM name? I can't remember except that it started with a K and an H. It was like Karan or Kar Karn, something like Kern. Kern? Kern? Kern, I think was what it was. K H E R N. Nice. U R N, something like that. Which I think was the name of Worf's brother from Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> yes, I believe you are correct. <laughs> so, yes, I wouldn't have been able to put that into print. I would have had to change it a little bit, just to not be too much of a ripoff. <laughs> Adem, it's a rocky... Ademray is... Rocky, windswept, windswept. Nobody wants to live there. I imagine they have sheep. Goats, I remember, being referenced a lot. They lived there because no one else wanted to, mm. or something like that. Like, they were forced out of their, their earlier home and had left there. Right. And I always thought that meant that they were maybe, like, descendants of one of the the refugees of one of the cities that Lanry burned. Ah. Could be. The more, well, I shouldn't say the more common. I say one of the common theories is that uh, 
kind of like in Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, there were like the Tinkers, I want to say, and they're they're similar to the Idemaru, and then there's the Ale, which are similar to the Edem, and they used to be one culture, and then they split. Right. And so a lot of people think maybe something similar here, because one decided to follow music, and one was like, no, music never! <laughs> well, not music never, just like, no music in public. Right, it's a private thing. Unless, you know, you're a whore. Right. And then you'll play for a room full of people, you don't even care. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Which is one of the more fascinating parts of the, the ADEM culture. And... I'm going off of the the basic assumption that all of this, all of the the parts of that culture were done intentionally. Nothing is like accidentally developed or or left out or anything like that. It's like, no, these are people to whom sex is not a big deal, but playing music is. And I just, it took me so long to like try to wrap my head around that. And I don't even think I'm there yet, but because, you know, Naturally, as a writer, Rothfuss could probably get away with saying, like, well, of course you don't understand. You're a barbarian. <laughs> it's true. We are <laughs> we are poor barbarians. I am... Um, the first time I read it, the whole man-mothers, the ADEM, don't believe that men are involved with sex, or <laughs> involved with making babies, it, I did not like that. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I was like, what is this? Why? why this is silly i don't what why but i let it percolate and i remembered there's a i want to say a tribe in not indonesia but that area okay and they eat there's a part of their diet that is basically birth control and so they have orgies all the time and nobody thinks that sex has anything to do with making babies (laughs) because they they just don't there's not enough correlation for the amount of sex to equal babies. I, I thought maybe there's something like that in a Demre, like there's a spice or an herb they use that just keeps things on the DL. Also, women who have too low of a body fat percentage have trouble procreating. Okay. And these women... Is especially once they take the red, they're he- they're hella fit. Right. Maybe they yeah. just their bodies aren't <laughs> conducive <laughs> until they're ready. And w- once they're ready, they settle down a little bit more. They don't work out as hard. Yeah, that's. I don't remember reading anything about a dem who had taken the red and then had a child and then gone back to the red, or did they? settle in and raise the child to a certain age and then go back? Or they, they don't never... really talk about it. That's an interesting question, though. I like that. Yeah. Uh, some... I'll, I'll ask Pat about that next time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if, if you can share the answer, we don't have to share it with the audience. You can just share it with me. <laughs> oh, special privileges. I'm, okay. I'm a good I'll, secret keeper. Uh, I'm, I'd be very curious to hear about that. And I, I don't think it would be very spoilerific, but it would just be something interesting to know. Well, I know that he can get a little irritated with people who get too hung up on the man-mothers thing, so... Well, I always thought it was, like, when I first read it, I wasn't 
offended or or upset at all um because when i read it i was just like oh that's that's kind of funny that these um these people who are so developed in terms of like the the way that they can fight and the way that their society behaves and and all this this emotional closedness is is ignorant in one area it's like they're not like a super culture it's right. like yes oh they're they're these amazing mercenaries and warriors but their grasp of science is maybe not the best <laughs> or at least biological science right right it's like yeah you can you can butcher a cow but you know it's like uh, I and I wonder if they look at themselves and or or like the goats because it's like if you're going to have a sustainable goat population you got to get them to breed right so, would they look at the goats and then look at themselves and go, well, we're people, we're not goats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if like what their, what their mental reasoning is for that. But that was just my, my take on it at first was just that it was interesting that it was a culture that was advanced in one area and ignorant in another. And I wasn't trying to feel like um, the author was trying to convince me of something. Uh-huh. It was just that there was this, he was, exemplifying or uh, not exemplifying uh, he was showing how a culture can develop mm. and that you know just because they're great at this one thing doesn't mean they're perfect i thought that was really interesting the the one other theory that i've read about that i take with a grain of salt but i like to consider it sometimes there's a line when Kvothe gets back to university where he says he's also studying female biology. (laughs) And at the time, I just took it as a joke. Like, he's sleeping around and making out and yada yada. But this person posited that maybe maybe there are different female biologies and the ADEM are just not the same as human humans. Mm. And they actually do it differently. Maybe they're like moths, and they just store store some semen for later, and then when they're ready to have a baby, there it goes. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Biologically. I don't mm. know. Nope. I, I feel like maybe that doesn't quite jive with the world that he's been creating with Tamarant, but maybe. Maybe they're just a little bit different than us. Well, it's possible. Um but the, the explanation that was offered by, I think he was talking to Vasha about that, the, her explanation didn't sound like that at all. It wasn't like they, they knew what they were doing. They were like, well, sometimes the baby looks like a man. Sometimes it looks like an old person. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> it looks, looks like anybody. It's like, listen to yourself. You sound like you're drunk. <laughs> well, mm, in my thought that maybe the ADEM didn't, know that they could do it just when a woman was ready she she i don't know they go to a cave and pray for three days and because it's cold it releases things i don't know mm. there's so much we don't know that's that's the real trick of it <laughs> well and that's that's a good point all by itself that you know when you don't know when you don't have the facts or the ability to gain the facts even because we're dealing with you know a fictional universe here you can't really go and research it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, wild theories will abound. People will just come up with theories, and there's no way to to either prove them or refute them. So it's just like it's kind of fun to to 
think about the possibilities. Well, also, I feel like I have to be careful thinking about or making broad generalities about the ADEM culture because we only see Hert. Right. First, we only see Tempe. Then we only see Hert. And like Vachette mentions, like, this is a really strict school. It's very old fashioned. She makes it sound, it's maybe a little bumpkinish. She's like, in my town, we grow up speaking a Turin. Right. And, and her town wasn't even the capital. Right. It's like just another larger city. So I feel like it'd be like going to a small town in America and be like, this is what all of America is like. Right. Yeah. You can make some uh, guesses about the whole of the culture just from a few things. But yeah, you, you're not going to be able to say like, you know, all of Ademre is like these these people here at this school. Right. Because that's primarily what the town was. It was a school. Pretty much everybody who lives in that, not everybody, but most people living in that town are in some way connected to the school or the school supports them or... You get the feeling that anybody who lives there who is like extraneous to the school is maybe just like uh, someone who has retired from the red and now their kids are helping to support them by Mm. sending back their money. Mm. Which is another thing they don't really talk about, you know, retirement in the ADM culture. You don't. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's because the retirement rate is low. (laughs) Well... There, we don't see very many old people. We see Shane, who's a teacher. We see uh, the old lady who lives in a cave and has all the histories. Right. And we see the cook whose hand got uh, cut up. Right. You get the feeling that if someone is able, then they are out mm. doing something. And if someone is old, then they are, you know... Um, doing something more administrative. Yeah. I think Shahin might actually be more of a, a contradiction that she is old, but still masterful. Mm. She is not, she's not weak. Right. And yeah, I would be curious to find out more about that. But of course, you know, that's why we're here. See if we can glean any more yeah. facts from each other about the book. What can we, what can we eke out of it? This is something I've been thinking about the past couple days. Men's anger. Well, like, I think he's with Pence when he describes it, or maybe Vachette. But they had Pence. Pence. After they get together for the first time, she's like, I knew you had a fine anger. He's like, what's that about? Why do you guys keep saying that? She's like, all beings have an anger to live. It's what pushes the grass from the ground. It's what makes us do everything. And men can't create life. And so they have all this extra anger (laughs) that's just pent up inside of them. And then, but it can be released. It can be released through, uh, through sex. Right. And I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about anger. Well, there was also a moment when um, I think he was, uh, before that, when he was talking to Vachette, and she was talking about, uh, I can't remember, that she was actually saying that 
men can't do something because of their anger, but with women, it's less so. Mm. I can't remember what it was. Shoot. I think they were at the sword tree. It was after um, Shehan and Pente uh, fought. But oh. Is it just that men are not as good at fighting? Because they're too distracted by their anger? I don't think it was fighting. I think it was more like... It was, it was something more cerebral. It was like leading or teaching or... Oh, yeah, men aren't... He was talking, he was talking about being a mercenary. And something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think your, your anger is released through your artistic creativity? Is that a form of creation that allows you to control yourself? Um, no, actually. Um... Uh, most of my artistic creation is whimsy or or curiosity. Mm. Whenever it's been anger, it hasn't turned out well, meaning that, um, you know, anger is, is not controllable. And I've always been a fan of, you know, precise lines and that kind of thing. That's why I'm not really much of a painter. It's also because I wanted to be a commercial artist and not a fine artist. You know, I didn't want to die poor and alone in an apartment because... You know, all I wanted to do with my art was convey my my emotion. I wanted to be able to control it so that I could produce it at any time. So maybe that's, I don't know. Every Also, every time I get angry, I can become extremely productive, but it's also a very dark place to go. You know, mm. like, I don't know if you've ever been, like, uh, the example I can think of is when I was working as a night stockman at a, at a grocery store. And the, the manager, who was like an interim manager, was just like, like constantly beating me about the ears to be like, you know, get faster, go further. And I got so angry and so frustrated that I, I stocked like a record number of units that night. But after I was done, I just like, I, I couldn't even go home because I was, not that I was afraid, I was just, I was seething. I was just so angry. It was like it was like feeling the dark side welling up inside me. So I was like, I didn't like that feeling. <laughs> Try not to not to let anger be my my guiding force. Anger is very useful for some things, but no. For me, when it comes to anger, it's much better if I can do something like, you know, chop wood, swing an axe. <laughs> there you go, something nice and physical. Right. So when I think of something like like the way that the Adem express or, or talk about their their anger. You could say that they're literally referring to anger, you know, like violence, but it could also just mean passion. Mm. When Pente says that all things have a, an anger to live, it's, you know, it's what pushes the grass up out of the ground. It's really a lot like passion where it's just like it's, it's what's motivating you. Right. Anger is, can be useful, but it's also... You know, it's destructive by its nature, I think. It made me wonder, and we don't have to talk about this, or you don't have to comment on it if you feel it's too close, but it made me wonder about Patrick's feelings, and like if he, because he talks sometimes about having a lot of anger, and if he was putting himself in there a little bit maybe, if he was trying to imagine a, a way that his anger could be directed in a more positive way or if he's just trying if he was trying to make sense of what that's like well 
it's no secret, like Pat's posted about this before on social media, so I don't feel bad talking about it. But, you know, he's talked about the fact that he's had anger issues in the past and that he is often, or at least in the past, used anger as a great motivator, you know, to, to fuel himself. Mm. Like, I've been frustrated with my own, like, lack of productivity in the past. And it's, it always seems to happen when you're going to bed, right? And mm. it's like, now it's time to sleep. And it's like, no, I just, I'm... I've been so lazy lately that you just your anger forces you to get up and be productive. And that's that's anger used in a good way. But, you know, it can have side effects like you are meaner to people or, or not as not necessarily meaner, but like not as accommodating as you could be or, or understanding because your anger is in the way. Mm. But I think that a lot of what you see in the books is not necessarily Pat trying to make sense of something, but maybe Pat exploring something. Okay. It's like, what if this, you know, Terry Brooks does a lot of the same thing, you know, comes up with things for books by just asking questions of himself. Mm. And if you try to think of like, what would a culture be like if they were this weird Chinese Nordic hybrid <laughs> that didn't understand human biology. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and could you could you reconcile those things? I think he did a pretty good job. Plus the ADEM kind of like like the Swiss, you know, like the Swiss used to have like this huge standing army mercenaries. That's why they're neutral. I'm imagining Tempe in a Swiss guards outfit. <laughs> from the Vatican. It's not quite so easy to be intimidated by those guys. I imagine if you've ever seen them fight, then yes. But just like standing there in the, was it, it's like blue and gold. Yeah, with the big fluffy hat and the pantaloons. Uh, and the halberd. I'm, I'm sure back in the day, that was a sight that could inspire fear in men's hearts. But, you know, sometimes it's okay to move on with the times. <laughs> I actually... I prefer them in something something as unique as that. While it doesn't look uh, particularly cool anymore, it's it's certainly more awe-inspiring than simply seeing another guy in tactical gear, you know. Absolutely. It's like that's just like uh, you're just it's a soldier. Uh. But, you know, you wear like bright colors and floofy hats. You're like, okay. And you're saying that you're a <laughs> okay. That was one of the things I liked a lot about about the ADEM was just this whole history about it and how it's it's kind of inspired by these real world things. Maybe that's what I like the most about them. That learning about the ADEM made me want to research the Swiss. You can't see it. I made a face. <laughs> <laughs> it was a considering face. So you also mentioned the the Chinese influence. Well, only because of like the, the martial arts aspect. Right. Well, I was going to say a lot of people see similarities between Tai Chi and the Katan, Katan. Sure. Right. And also between Taoism and the Lafani. Yeah, absolutely. He does a pretty good job of explaining the Lafani. But it's in very narrow instances. 
He could write an entire book as thick as The Wise Man's Fear just about the Lothani to explore it. He didn't have time for that. That's not what he was doing. <laughs> so we get slices of the Lothani, and we, we understand that it's the way and the path, and it's about doing right. He's also got that conversation in there where um, Kvothe is trying to explain why he was able to answer questions about the Lothani, even though he doesn't understand it. Mm. And it's, you know, the whole, like, well, of course you understand the Lothani. Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean you don't understand it. You know, mm. like, Vasha compares it to love. Like, go ahead and explain love to me. Define it. Right. And, and he can't because it's it's something that's so broad and expansive and, and nuanced that you can't just simply explain it with a couple sentences. And the Lothani is the same way. But mm. it's more of a, a way of living. Yeah. And I liked that it, it couldn't be absolutely explained because when you leave it a little bit open to interpretation, that's what makes books so great, right? Yeah. You get to you engage on an interactive level. Speaking of engaging and the Lothani, I have a game oh. about the uh, is it of the Lothani? <laughs> and uh, I can't I'll posit you. some situations, some from real life and some from pop culture. And you can uh, let me know whether or not it's of the Lothani. Okay. Hold on. I got to get into spinning leaf here. All right. Take a okay. moment. Let's. All right. I'm, I think I'm as close as I can get. <laughs> we'll start off with a nice easy one. Stealing. Stealing is not of the Lothani. <laughs> what about if you have a starving child? That is also not of the Lothani. So what action would be of the Lothani if if your family is starving, your child is starving, you don't have a job, you have no prospects, the begging isn't bringing in enough food? To work for bread would be of the Lothani. There's and no that's, work. That's a that's a it's a tricky way, right? Because if you if you're trying to like you can say that an action is or is not of the Lothani, but there is always a way to make an impossible scenario. Uh. So you could say that, yes, there's there's no work, but there is bread. But if there is bread, then there's somebody making the bread. And if there's somebody making the bread, then there's houses and ovens and, you know, mills. And so there's there's industry. So there's there's always work, but maybe there's no way to do the work. Mm. You know, like you could... It's it's an endless postulation. So you you could say, yes, it's moral, or no, it's not moral. But I think the essence of the Lafani is to be able to to be able to live life without taking life or taking from others. That obviously if you were in a culture where something was of the Lafani, somebody would be able to offer you the bread in exchange for work. Okay. All right. Let's get let's get a little bit more modern. A little bit more something that might happen to to Nate Taylor. Ooh. You're at the cinema. You're gonna go see the new Star Wars movie, or whatever movie you want to go see. And you're getting ready to buy your popcorn, and you see a fifty dollar bill on the floor. Mm-hmm. What is of the Lathani? What do you do? Ooh. Well. 
uh, Judeo-Christian upbringing is telling me to pick up the the $50 bill and give it to the person behind the counter. Okay. Uh, whether or not that's of the Lafani, I think, <laughs> just to be obtuse, I'm going to say the Lafani would have me take the $50 bill and walk out into the parking lot and give it to the guy who's begging for money at the corner. Okay. Charity is of the Lafani. Rightful charity. Lafani-based charity. <laughs> Okay. There's the kind of charity that helps people, and there's the kind of charity that just enables people, right? Well, some would argue that if you give $50 to the person begging on the corner, they're going to go buy $50 worth of alcohol. And is that Lathani-based? Right. So that's the real question. If you give someone something, is it your responsibility what they do with it? Mm. And I think that that answer is yes. That, yeah, if he goes and buys drugs with it then yeah obviously you have not helped him you have hurt him but to be charitable is of the lathani okay i think we could explore that one some more but i'm going to just keep moving on <laughs> you see your best friend's so significant other at the mall acting flirty with another human mm -hmm. what is of the lathani well it would be of the lathani to to talk to the the significant other, not your friend. Okay. Not to not to get the other person in trouble, but to give the other person a chance to correct any wrong behavior that they have been maybe doing. Do you confront them there at the mall, or do you try and get them on their own later? I think it's important to not shame someone. Okay. You know, like to to confront them like in the midst of their interaction. That would simply be like I'm here to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay. But if you you know, just talk to them later and say, look, I saw this and I think that you need to, to confront what it is that you're feeling that makes you act this way. Oh, you're good at the Lasani. <laughs> Do you like Star Trek? I love Star Trek. Good. Star I, was, I was raised on Star Trek and then I grew to love Star Wars. Okay, let's take the Lathani to Star Wars. Star Wars, okay. No, to Star Trek, sorry. Star Trek. I can English. See? See? <laughs> Can't sentence properly. <laughs> Me fail English? That's impossible! Ralph <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wiggum. A gift to us all. <laughs> he's he's the hero we deserve, not the one that we need. But not the one we need right now. <laughs> so, assisted suicide comes up a couple times in Star Trek. Oh, okay. Like when uh, Worf has some boxes fall on him, and he uh, gets paralyzed, and he's right. begging everyone on the ship. To kill him. Right. Is it of the Lathani to make him wait? Or to help him? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that it... Wow. If we're taking that specific example... Yep. Of Worf. I think it would be 
of the Lafani to have Dr. Crusher research medical technology to get him walking again. She believed it was impossible. Right. Right. But in the end, it all worked out, right? Like it he, did. In the end. Technology. Right? In like the end, the, they the, figured it out. But at the time, surgery. at the time when he was asking them. Right. Um, in that case, I'm going to say that it was not of the Lafani to help him commit suicide because he was wanting to kill himself as a simple solution. That it was, it was like, this is the problem that I am facing right now. And I don't want to stick around to find out if there's a better solution because my spirit is broken. Okay. Not to say that that is, you know, a, a blanket philosophy for all people in assisted suicide situations. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Taylor takes no responsibility for any, <laughs> any actions resulting from this. In one of the TOS movies, the main three, Spock and Kirk and Bones, they're all kind of having flashbacks and learning about each other. And you see Bones at the side of his father who had a horrible degenerative neural disease. Mm -hmm. Like super Alzheimer's plus multiple sclerosis. Like it's bad. It's real bad. Right. And yep. he helps his dad commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Is that of the Lothani? I would have to say that that was probably of the Lothani, and I'm going to push past the fact that you're referencing Star Trek V, which was by far the worst Star Trek movie <laughs> ever made in this world or any other. I would say that that one was of the Lothani simply because it was not like somebody being cut down in the prime of their life. And I personally hold the philosophy that the bodies that we have are not simply, you know, this is not all that they are. This is not all that we are. And so transitioning from this life or world to the next one is not something that's necessarily like this, this horrible thing that should be avoided at all costs. Not that you should run out to, you know, see what the afterlife is like, but it's it's situational, right? Like Worf getting injured and wanting to give up almost immediately was one thing. But a guy who had been suffering from a disease for, for years and years and there was no cure in sight, that's another situation. The fact that um he did it like what did what did Bones say after that? He was like was it like a year later or the next later? day. The next day. Right? <laughs> the next day. Like, reach in and yank those heartstrings in the most clumsy way possible. Yes, the very next day, they came out with a cure. It's like, or maybe it was the next year. I feel like it was the next day. Right. It was, it was like, <laughs> it was, it was immediately like I did it just in time. <laughs> but even if, even if he had come up with a cure for it, like I looked at, you look at DeForest Kelly and then you think like, well, how old is his dad got to be? It's got to be in the <laughs> 90s, right? Well, it happened. It it happened when he was younger. Oh, he just appeared older. Yeah, still, well, the dad, the dad didn't look like he was any spring chicken. No, he. I'm sure he was he, in his nineties. People live yeah. a long time in the future. One would hope. <laughs> well, how about holding on to the grief and anger and angst? 
that is definitely not of the of the Lathani. That um, anybody can make mistakes, absolutely. But to to hold on to those mistakes, to learn from them is great. That's what you should absolutely do with mistakes. But to hold on to them, to never let yourself forget them, well, not forget them, but to never let yourself be forgiven for them um, only hurts yourself. You can learn from mistakes, but you know you gotta you gotta let go at some point. Stop beating yourself up at least, or else you'll never be able to get past it. Forget never making the same mistake twice. You'll you'll be you're making the same mistake forever if you never let go of it. Nice. <laughs> I think a lot about these kinds of things. I mean, not necessarily about, you know, assisted suicide, but, you know, philosophical things. All right. So we'll leave, leave the Lathani <laughs> behind for now and the Star Trek behind for now. Because Lathani <laughs> is always with us. It's true. We can't leave the Lathani. We can take actions outside of it, but it's all around us and inside us at all times. Right. It's like the Force. <laughs> I have one last thing I want to bring up. Do you have anything you want to bring up? Um, oh, okay. One little note. And I've heard a couple of people ask, like, why is Hert spelled differently on the map? And the answer oh. is, it's not. The city that is marked in Ademre on the map is not Hert. It's oh. Hey. So, yes. Just blowing <laughs> minds. Hmm? I said, you're just blowing minds. I know. Well, you know, the observant person could look at a Demry and see that Haith is in the middle of a bunch of rivers and Hert is being described as being like a, against a mountainside, basically. Yeah. So, you know. Well, also, Hert was like kind of on the edge of a Demry. Right. And Haith's up there in the middle. Why is Haith in the map? Because it's the capital. It's important. Oh, it's it's a little square. Yeah, a rectangle. Oh, yes. On the Aturan map, it's a rectangle, because I yeah. wanted to make it look like a tower. This is something uh, important. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking, I realize now I'm looking at the Aturan map. This is the one of the things that I, I will happily admit, and it's it's a dark part of me. I don't understand, but it's like, I love messing with people, <laughs> especially when they're when they're talking about the Rothfuss books like um like it, it's no joke I really do get onto the Facebook groups and I'm like Kvothe and Denner are the same person is <laughs> Kvothe at the end of book three Chronicler is actually the Cathay <laughs> so does that mean that when people ask you where nowhere is and you make a little mark on their map is it you've marked 80 different spots not 80, maybe maybe just like 20. 20 different spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People started asking me to do that at a signing a few years ago. And they were like, can you can you show me where Noir is? And I'm like, sure, it's right here. I'm like, great, can you mark mine too? And I'm like, yeah, it's right here. I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, because no one is ever, ever going to know exactly where Noir is. Do you know? I can't tell you that. You know what? I don't know. Nope. I, 
Lying is not of the Lafani, Mr. Taylor. Lying is not of the Lafani. I have no <laughs> idea where Noir is. It's nowhere. And it's everywhere. <laughs> Leaving this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I wanted to say was, I don't know if the ADEM is a really, really super old culture, but they have they have records going back to before the creation war. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, and I don't know why yet, but when uh, when he's learning the history of Caesura, like, she's go- been going on for a while when she brings up Drossen Tor. Okay. And, I mean, it's possible that there were many battles fought there, but that's the one where Landre fought the Dracus. Well, we assume it's a Dracus, because it's a great beast covered in hard scales. Right. And, like, they'd been going on for a while about the sword by that point. Mm-hmm. They have really old... Like, I'm surprised he's not more curious about their records. Right. Yeah. I would assume that he would be also. And maybe he is. He was just hiding it and couldn't think of a polite way to interject and say, can I see that book? <laughs> Do you have any others? Well, yeah, he, he mentions, like, this is the first book he's seen. Right. And I wonder if it's just because... Books are expensive, and this is a podunk town, and everybody's busy with the school. And, like, if you go to Haith, there's books, there's bookshops. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. You, you get the feeling that books are pretty important. And in an environment like that, like a Demery, at least what we've seen of it, books probably have a, a fair, you know, like, paper has a fair chance of, of standing the test of time. Mm. But I think... If you if you go back and look at the uh, the story that uh, Shahin tells to Kvoth, the uh, the story of Aetha and Retha, yeah, that if you read that with sort of an eye on parallels between that and the story of Lanry and Salitos, it's not horribly different. You know, it's, so it's it's possible that all of these old stories from these different cultures can collide in different ways. And there's a reason that Pat puts these stories into his story. He's not just trying to fill up page space. Right. So whenever somebody's telling a story, it's because Pat wanted it to be in there. There's a reason for it. So I don't think that Shahin told, wanted to tell quote that story just because it was like, Hey, let's, you know, everybody else tells stories. Let's have these guys tell <laughs> It's It's obviously a very old story, and it talks about how things were before the Lathani came into existence. Right. And the Lathani, really at its heart, is a way of acting not like a barbarian, to not simply kill if you have the power to kill. So, that's my last point. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. Where can people find you if they want to see more Nate Taylor? You probably have the best luck finding me on Twitter at Major Sheep or on Instagram at Nate N. Taylor. It's it's Nate N. Taylor, not Nate B. Taylor, because (laughs) Nathan is sort of like short for Nathan. So Nathan Taylor, that's how you go. 
And you can find us on Facebook uh, at The Road to Tinue or on Twitter more recently, Road Number Two Tinue, and at Gmail, also Road Number Two Tinue at gmail.com. Uh, if you have feelings about the Lathani or suggestions for playing Is It of the Lathani or feelings about Adem and Ademre, let me know. I want to hear your thoughts and feelings. See you on the road. Just a reminder, if you would like to be a part of the Road to Tinue's upcoming Valentine's Day episode, please reach out. Tweet your seven words. Post your favorite Temerant couple on Facebook. Or send a voice memo of your KKC romance. See you on the road! But that was only the first adventure. The next, uh, the next time we all got together, I played a, a young nobleman who was a namer. Ooh. Yeah, and his name was was Aaron, and he was he was twisted. I got to play him like like Hannibal Lecter, but without the cannibalism. Oh, well, I mean, what's even the point then? <laughs> I loved Hannibal's whole mystique around himself, just that that calm madness, mm. and that was what I was trying to play. Okay. Yeah. Noble, anyway. Noble, yeah. All right. We're staying yeah. on track with Adem. Right. I'm trying not to get too far off tangent. <laughs> I'm quite tangential myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. This is going to get all sorts of fun then.